welcome to the Leading the Line Scottish Women's Football Show. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Marshall, as always. And as always, I'm joined by Campbell Finlayson. How are you doing, Campbell? Yeah, not bad at all, Chris. Thank you. Awesome. I am very grateful for Poundlands, one pound umbrellas. Otherwise, I would have been speaking to you a lot well, a lot wetter than I usually would be. Oh, that sounded terrible. Um, so we'll move straight into the action. This week is uh, a full card of SWL. Well, not quite a full card of SWPL action. We'll cover that. Um, we've also got some big news in terms of restructure in Scottish women's football. Rangers have announced they've gone to semi-professional, so we're obviously going to talk about that. Um, and we've also got Champions League and this weekend's SWPL action. So tons of stuff to talk about, Campbell, but let's... Let's start on Friday night. Um, we had a live TV game on BBC Alba. I tweeted out a Gaelic... Well, it's not a soundboard because I didn't try and pronounce it. Uh, Wordboard is, is probably more apt. Um, Fawfa Farmington against Motherwell. Uh, Fawfa Farmington, obviously, in the, currently in the relegation mix. Motherwell, not in the relegation mix, no matter how polite the Honor General was about it in the interviews, both pre- and post-match on Friday night. Um, record crowd for Fawfa Farmington, again, 423 in attendance. I know they were doing a lot of work in the local community um, and the week to building up to that so it's great to see them get another record crowd but Campbell the game itself on Friday night not a classic no far uh, from it to be perfectly honest I had a few games on on Friday night and I'd hoped that four from Otherwell might be pretty decent um, the two previous meetings this season have been really good games especially one obviously in the controversy right at the start of the season at Station Park where Motherwell had that last minute goal disallowed and lost three two, but yeah, Friday was it was fairly disappointing. Um, I think Forfar were pretty disappointed that they didn't get a point, and obviously they're trying to avoid relegation. But it it was a penalty for the foul uh, by Fiona McNichol, but it's very harsh on Forfar. It wasn't a great game by any count, uh, by any, any stretch of the matter at all. And Mother will be happy that they come out with three points after a pretty lacklustre performance for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it was a game that kind of descended into lacklusterness a little bit. I think it was maybe to do with the approach, mainly of Forfar, who I think set their style out quite deep. Uh, in the early going, Mother, I mean, Mother had a lot of the ball. Chelsea McEachern, again, was, was maybe the main catalyst for them in terms of creating chances. Uh, Forfar Farmers had Ellis Cook kind of the odd breakaway, but very rare. But I think that the big thing for me that really hampered the tempo of the game was was how deep Forfar were sitting because no matter how much Motherwell had the ball, Forfar weren't really coming out. Um, and I thought at half-time maybe it would change it up a little bit and I thought maybe this was like a, a long-term tactic for the game, maybe get to a certain point and then ha- really have a go at it. But it just never really happened and Motherwell started creating more chances. Um, McKesson hit the post post twice, uh, both from long-range calling efforts. And as you said, it got kind of got to the last 10 minutes and then the penalty decision, um, Laurie Gardner, who'd come on as a substitute, it broke into the box. And she got a clip from uh, Fiona McNichol Campbell. It wasn't a massive clip, but as you say, it's enough to give a penalty. I think, I think I'd probably be wanting it if, if it was me. And then Kenny Montgomery stepped up to, to put the penalty home. Uh, 1-0 from Motherwell. A good win for them. Um, it's good to see, obviously, Motherwell and Forfa Farmington get some coverage. There was also the the bit for Leo White at halftime, who'd won the Grassroots Award as well, so that was lovely to see as well. But um, I, th- I think Motherwell, it's a case of they would have wanted three points from this, they've got it. They're safe. They, they've had a, a pretty good first season in SWPL1, obviously peaks and drops, that's just the nature of, of women's football at the moment. But a missed opportunity for Farfar Farmington, Campbell? Yeah, I think, I mean, home games like this against this likes of Motherwell, Spartans, even Rangers to an extent, the games need to look at taking something out of it and the fact that the game close to getting that point 
I mean, obviously you see how little points themselves and uh, Sterling Uni have picked up this season. Every point is going to be crucial, so lifting themselves four points ahead of uh, the university would have been helpful. But yeah, it's a disappointing result for them in the end. But it was just just one of these games that I think both teams are going to want to forget and move on to next week as soon as possible. Yeah, I, th- I think if, if we're being honest, Campbell, in terms of an advert for women's football in Scotland, it wasn't the peak of what could be shown. But we'll come to we'll come to obviously some of the other teams in a moment. But I think in terms of what it does in terms of spreading the game about, I think it's really good. It obviously shows uh, the game in a, a senior stadium. Um, it shows obviously that it can attract a decent crowd for it on a Friday night against competition, which which you mentioned as well. So yeah, um, probably disappointing for far far. They they've got a, a tough game away at Rangers now, who are improving quickly from what I've seen of them so far. Uh, and obviously Motherwell have got the, the semi final of the cup to look forward to. Um, I was at Aisley Park on Sunday to see Hibernian against Celtic. Um, I tell you what, Campbell Hibs kind of coasted this one. Uh, it was obviously a kind of big game in terms of expectation, but. Hibs started really quickly. I mean, it was fairly even for the first like, in a five, ten minutes, but then Hibs um, broke away. Jamie Lee Napier was playing on the shoulder of uh, of the, the Celtic centre-halves, and to be honest with you, there was a couple of balls that she just mistimed the run. She eventually got one from Rachel Boyle and slid underneath Chloe Logan, who'd come into the team uh, to put Hibs 1-0 up. Celtic then came, came back into it a little bit, a couple of chances. Uh, Josephine Girard had a, had a couple of efforts, and there was a block. Uh, Rachel O'Neill prodded over from, from really close range. She definitely probably should have been getting on target. But then a, a wonderful old Campbell. I know Hibs had somebody recording the game on Sunday. Um, I know the highlights aren't up yet, but they, they, I've been told that they will be going up. Um, a wonderful move started by Shannon Leesman. She beat a couple of um, Celtic midfielders before putting the ball out to Jamie Lee Napier in the wing, who crossed it, and, and Rachel Boyle volleyed in from close range. That put Hibs 2 0 up after 15, 16 minutes. And to be honest, from that point on, they controlled the game. Um, Celtic. It was the same as uh, you were obviously at the Glasgow City game uh, the other weekend. I saw the highlights from that one, and it, it looked like that same kind of lethargy had kind of hit them in terms of their approach to the game. Uh, second half, they kind of came out a little bit quickly, but Hart, um, Hearts, Hibs got a goal uh, really quickly. Um, Shannon Leishman deflected the effort, put it in, and from there, there was a bit of a non-event of a game to go with from that point on, but Hibs much, much improved. Uh, speaking to Grant Scott after the game, he was really happy. I think uh, Michael Tui, who I spoke to after the game for Celtic, he was really disappointed in the levels. But, Campbell, I think we probably all expected that one to be kind of a big heavyweight clash, especially with second place now having more more value against it, given some of the changes they announced during the last week or so. But, pretty resounding in his ring for Hibs. Where does this leave Celtic now for the rest of the season? Because that puts Hibs in front of them. Are they now relying on him slipping up to, to get that second place? Yeah, well, Celtic, they're obviously they're out of the cup as well. So the aim has to be second, but just saying they were slightly disappointing against Glasgow City uh, last week in the cup. And then again, obviously, just saying on Sunday, where they've just sort of let Hibs kind of control the game. And it's it's, it's not been like them because they were in very good form up to the, the games before that. So, I mean, they still have to aim for second. They know Hibs can drop points. Obviously, they've got a game in Europe tomorrow night, whether that plays a part in league games. You wouldn't imagine it will, though. I mean, their only real hope has to be that Hibs drop points. But if Celtic are playing like they have done the last two weeks, then there's no guarantee that they're going to win uh, the remaining games as well. So, I mean, it's second will be the aim, but it may well be the case that third is possibly the best they're going to be able to get by the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, second's definitely well within reach. But I think the thing that really struck me watching Celtic on Sunday to the Celtic team I watched straight after the break when they defeated Rangers at K Park was that the pace and the strength just seemed to 
not be there. Um, and it's something that I think a lot of people have talked about this season, about the, the pace and strength of how that's how they've matched up so well to Glasgow City and how they've had the opportun- opportunity when it's arise to uh, to beat Hibs. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was a pretty disappointing performance by Celtic. And it'll be interesting to see how they get on uh, next week. They're back through in Edinburgh to play Spartans, but we'll, we'll cover all the fixtures later on. But good result for Hibernian uh, going into Europe this week. We'll touch, touch on the Champions League towards the end. But... Yeah, I think it was a really positive uh, turn. I thought Shannon Leishman, who's come into the side this season, and she's come in from the development side, I, I spoke to her after the game, and she, she was saying she's found it a little bit tough, the transition, but the, the last few weeks she's been getting some game time. I think it's obviously been helped by Hibs' squad being quite thin at the moment, uh, given a couple of transfers and injuries. Uh, but I think, yeah, it, she had a really good game, and I think she's been a, a very worthwhile addition to, to Grant Scott's squad. But... We'll move on to, to Glasgow City now, Campbell. Uh, they were playing Spartans at home. Uh, 3-0 win for Glasgow City. Uh, Jenna Clark scored. Lucy Sinclair scored the opener, 16-year-old Lucy Sinclair. Um, she had actually come on uh, during the 2-0 victory over Rangers at the Hummel uh, during the midweek, which I, I was at. Uh, and then there was a kind of fumble by Rachel Harrison and Healy Lauder put it in. But I, I tell you what, Campbell, um, from the highlights, Spartans had a couple of opportunities. Kayleigh Gibb and Elena Santoya-Brown both tested Erin Clackers who made some really good saves. And it looked like Spartans actually gave... Well, I say actually, that's that's a bit condescending. I don't mean that at all. But it looks like Spartans gave themselves a, a good account of themselves on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, Spartans have been a right strange team this season. They're obviously... They're still more established than the likes of uh, Stirling Uniform Farm. They've got that wee bit more experience that's going to keep them higher up the table. But they seem to have kind of been a bit underwhelming in a lot of games, but then have upped their game at times against some of the bigger sides. It's, it's been a real strange one. Again, obviously, they've losing two goals early on. You might have thought they'd have fallen away a bit there, but they were it seemed pretty solid from looking at the highlights, as you say. And it's not the worst result going to Glasgow City and taking three, but yeah, there's just there's been something missing from them this season. But again, they were happy there and just looked to build for you know, the next campaign. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kayleigh Gibb came on uh, in the second half and it looks like she had a bit of an impact. She's very young, I think she's only 15, but she she came on and had a good a good showing, aside from his developmental. And yeah, I think Spartans are, are, are a good side. Um, I just think maybe it's not not necessarily been one of their, their banner seasons, although obviously they got to the semi-final of the SWPL Cup earlier on. Um, but a good win for Glasgow City. Um, one of the things I want to talk about, Campbell, with Glasgow City is, um, as I said, I was at, at the Hummel where, for the game where they beat Rangers 2-0. Glasgow City kind of scored two goals in the first half and that kind of wrapped things up and, and Rangers came into it and I said that they're improving a lot at the moment uh, but one of the things that happened that, in that game and it happened on Sunday as well was Jenna Clark was playing in the midfield um, and I thought she looked pretty comfortable uh, she's good on the ball she obviously has a, a, the physicality that you would um, you would like to see in terms of maybe going on even further in the game um, what's what's your takes on Jenna because I thought she's she's had a good season in the second half but this this move up the park I actually think might be a good thing for her as well yeah I mean also she's mentioned in the our team of the year so far at the halfway stage as a centre back but City have made a few changes they're obviously recently brought in Elish McSorley who's sort of been taking starting place there and they've got Callie Jirasoli who's obviously well highly regarded as well at City so it's Getting Jenna Clark game time has to be a name as well. So playing her in midfield, it seems to work as well, as you're saying. She's got that height advantage, and that certainly helps. And obviously, she's in a good position and took her goal very well on Sunday. So it could be something that Scott Booth will look to use more in the future. And it would certainly be interesting to see how she kind of evolved in that position. Obviously, still very young as well. But playing in there, if she's kind of versatile, can play obviously a few different positions. Could be quite crucial for her uh, if she wants to progress in her career over the next few years, of course. 
Yeah, and I think when you watch Jenna Clark player, she's definitely one of the the up and coming players. And you think there's there's definitely more than a, a germ of germ or something there that could see her go very far in the game. So it'll be really interesting to see how that develops and then how she maybe lines up against Chertanova and obviously in, in the games coming forward. Um, there was one more game in SWPL one this weekend: Stirling University one, Rangers four. <laughs> Please, if you haven't watched the highlights yet, Southern University put them up on Tuesday night, which is when we're recording. Um, it's uh, the first uh, first bit of highlights this season from Southern University. Well, since the summer break from Southern University, and the commentary is a joy to behold, especially uh, when Southern University went one 0 up through Jade Menzies. Um, but Rangers came back into it. Lisa Martinez and Diana Burnham both scoring. Jade Gallen and then 15-year-old Rosie McQuillan. Um, lots of youngsters scoring this weekend, which is good to see. But uh, Stirling University had a chance. I think they were two on down. The, the highlights did jump a little bit, so I can't quite keep. One of the goals I think got chopped off somewhere in the edit. Um, but Stirling University had a chance to to equalise, make it two two. They're 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 coming onto a game. Stirling University and Campbell, as we know, this is a time of the season where historically they they have come on into a game before. Yeah, I mean they also take the lead um, on Sunday. Given the fourth first score on Friday night, they of course knew what they had to do and taking the lead many did as you say, they did have another couple of chances as the very exuberant commentator showed us actually. But yeah, they'll be they're pleasing, I think, now that they're sort of they're beginning to get more of an impact on games. Obviously it's tough to say Rangers are clearly improving as well and eventually and then their quality showed, but still in Guinea they're still also waiting on that first win. But if they can play like the way they have done against some of the side down lower in the league then there's obviously there's no real reason why they can't go pick up points. Um, obviously, at that stage, we're beginning to improve, as you see. But I think it's the main thing is it's probably going to come down to the game against Forth of Farmington at uh, Oakleview at the end of October. That's probably going to be the one that decides who finishes where down the bottom end of the table. But certainly going to certainly look at the side more lightly at the minute, just in terms of performances, to go and get more points. But obviously, Forth will have that three, uh, three-point lead at the minute. Yeah, they yeah, certainly look... In the ascendancy, so it'll be interesting to see how they uh, progress over the next few weeks. Yeah, so uh, as you say, Forth obviously still have the advantage at the moment, but it's progression. But with that progression, they haven't claimed any points yet, and obviously points. I'm, I was going to say points win prizes, but that's I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but points, obviously, the, the main objective in terms of escape from relegation. Um, John Mathers, the commentator, big up the John Mathers, massive, massive fan of that. I hope you hope you continue still with the rest of the season. Um, honestly. The goal, the goal celebration was, was excellent. I'm a big fan. Um, but yeah, so, uh, and a win for Rangers, who, I, I'll tell you what, Campbell, we're going to talk about this later on, but let's talk about it now because we're talking about Rangers. They obviously made the announcement um, maybe about an hour after we recorded last week's podcast um, saying that they were going to be going to a semi-professional model. Um, there was an interview in the Herald with Alan Campbell and Amy McDonald uh, at the weekend and began explaining a bit more about it. Basically, the entirety of the first team squad, as is, will be offered a, a part-time contract of 18 to 20 hours a week, uh, coming in effect from January of 2020. So obviously in preparation for the, the coming season. Um, big statement by Rangers. And obviously we've talked about this a little bit before, but this is the first club that seems to have gone all in on it, um, for want of a better term. Yeah, I mean, obviously the have made these few signings in the last few weeks, getting a lot more experienced players as well coming in. And obviously, they're, just seeing, they're taking these steps now. Obviously, they first integrated the club into the academy sort of thing under and the club in the academy, sorry, under the full Rangers uh, football club wing. And now, you're talking about semi-pro as well. So I mean, it's certainly good to see that they're taking these steps. 
Um, they've improved as well in the last few weeks. Obviously, they've been unlucky in certain games against Glasgow City. You'll see yourself when you were at the Hummel last week. And then once they eventually get going on Sunday, they played pretty well. Yeah, against the Union, there's certainly been changes since Gregory Vignal came in. But I think they're all positive changes. And it'll be interesting to see, obviously, next year whether Rangers can sort of do what Celtic have done to an extent this year and try and give Hibs and Glasgow City a bit more of a challenge. Even Celtic in the case, because Celtic have obviously been a bigger team, a better team, sorry. Uh, over Rangers this season so it'll be good to see if Rangers can take this on and then make even some more big signings again the likes of Emma Brownlee obviously coming in it will be really good to see if Rangers can like add another side of Scottish football that can really cause a lot of teams problems rather than just sort of being stuck in mid-table Yeah your, your question about challenging the top end of the tables uh, uh, your point sorry about challenging the top end of the table is a good one as well because one of the things that Amy McDonald said in that interview was the aim, all things going well, is to be challenging for first or second next season. So there's obviously targets in mind, and there's obviously going to be a high demand, not only on the, the Rangers squad, but also Gregory Vignal and the role that he's come in. But as I said, that there's definitely signs of improvement. They, they've brought in a number of youngsters into the team, and particularly the two that have stood out so far have been Hannah Robertson and um, Rosie McQuillan. Uh, Rosie McCullough obviously scored at the weekend. She's really young, 15, but you can see his talent there. And Hannah Robertson's been on a good goal scoring run. I think she picked up a wee injury, which is why she, she hasn't been featuring as much in the last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, uh, exciting time Rangers. What what does this mean, though, for... Um, obviously, Glasgow City are kind of working the, working towards that model a little bit, but just now Celtic have announced it. Um, Hibernian have been, obviously, traditionally the kind of second force in Scotland for a while. What does it mean for these sides in terms of Rangers coming up? Maybe particularly Hibs. Hibs are probably the best example because obviously they won't be fully amateur. Um, they have some Scotland internationals in their squad and they have some of the kind of best talent in Scotland coming up to the squad as well. Do you think that's going to cause them some challenges or do you think maybe this is going to be the kind of thing that maybe jolts them into action a little bit as well? I mean, I'm told to see it jolt them into action. Obviously, now it looks like they'll finish second, but we still don't know whether that Champions League space is going to be there. If it does... Uh, end up that way the Hibs are back in Europe again next season then that could be another catalyst because obviously players are want to play at the highest level possible so I mean if they can really integrate themselves into the sort of football club thing as well it would be good to see again having more than just Glasgow City Hibs even Celtic Rangers now coming up to try and force um, sorry what I'm saying <laughs> just to become more of a force on at the top of Scottish football obviously Glasgow City have been the main to their Hibs are winning in cups but Hopefully, it means the four sides really begin to sort of push themselves to the highest level. Women's football's obviously grown a heck of a lot over the last couple of years. So if it can grow as well in Scotland and have more than just City challenging, obviously, in Scotland and then into Europe, would be good for the game as a whole in Scotland. Yeah, and I, one of the things I would say is I've been in and around Hibs quite a lot the last kind of month or two, just by the way the games have fallen, and obviously they've been very successful in terms of, of European qualification. Um, and there's definitely a a push at Hibs to, to really grow the the women's side of the club. Uh, as I mentioned, they, they've now got a videographer in to take highlights. I know that there's a couple of their media team are out in Prague with them just now, which uh, hasn't happened. Obviously, Glasgow City had uh, representatives out in Moscow as well. So they're very positive. And even speaking to people who work in, in the men's side, there is definitely an appetite to kind of grow the, the women's arm of it. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. But all in all, yeah, a good result for Rangers. Hibs now in second. Not the best weekend for Celtic, and the relegation battle still on. 
Um, in terms of fixtures for next weekend, uh, Spartans will play Celtic at one o'clock at Ainsley Park. It's Glasgow City, Stirling University. It says two o'clock on this WPL website. Might be ten past two because of when they book the slot. That's at Peter's Hill Park. I'll, I'll be at that one. Uh, Motherwell Hibs at Ravens, Craig. Uh, a preview of the Scottish Cup semi-final. And Rangers against Forth for Farmington at the Hummel. Um, that'll be a tough game for Forth for Farmington, I think. But let's move into SWPL2, uh, Campbell. And the big result of SWPL2 was at Peter's Hill Park. Part Thistle 2, Hamilton Academical 1. Big, big loss for Hamilton and the race big win for Path of Distance Belt almost pushed them back in the back in the race when you maybe weren't expecting it. But Campbell with the two goals that Hamilton conceded. Um do you want to talk us through them? Because they're they're not Aki's finest moment, I think it's probably fair to say. No, I mean the first one obviously is a straightforward long ball and as a defender you're always taught don't let the ball bounce. And it's exactly what I think it was Kirsty Fraser did. The ball bounce goes straight over her head. Then Thistle ran for 1 0. Um, didn't cover themselves in glory for the second goal either. Not just Thistle, really, for Aki's goal. It was poor defender all round for the three goals, but it's a huge win for Partick. Obviously, they kind of fell away a bit, losing to Glasgow Girls a couple of other sides. And that dropped them down the table. And then now they're coming back up again, and it's obviously a huge defeat for Hamilton as well. So it's, it's a real, it's a strange, it has been a strange league all season. And it's now just a case of what actually happens in terms of Hearts didn't play. So it is still very tight. Hearts. Play away at their bogey side at the weekend into United, so there is still plenty that could happen. But Aki's probably disappointed, as we say there. Got a bit off tangent, sorry, but they're disappointed, obviously, with the way they lost two goals. The fact that they lost a game that you would expect them really yeah, to be winning. Yeah, and I mean uh, the the post match with um, Gary Doctor by the uh, the Aki's media team, who were going for some jaggy camera angles, which uh, took me by surprise a little bit. That was obviously a, a new thing they were trying. Fair play to Gary for playing along with it, because he was obviously not not very happy. Um, you could kind of sense that in his tone, and understandable. That was a big opportunity for them um, to well close the gap in Hearts, which we'll talk about really soon. Uh, but Really disappointing result for them. They're back up with Peter's Hill Park to play Glasgow Girls this weekend, and it's really a kind of must win, you would think. But as you say, Hearts going up to Dundee United, who they have yet to get a point off of this season, it is uh, certainly one to to look out for. But yeah, big result for Partick Thistle. Are Partick Thistle back in it, Campbell? I know we, well, me in particular, keeps getting chinned for calling it a two, two horse race, um, particularly by Kilmarnock. Um, but is, are Partick Thistle back in it now? I think the points show that they are, but it's the fact that they've not been very consistent in the last few weeks. As I mentioned, some of the defeats that they've got haven't really been useful if you want to go and obviously be chasing at the top of the league. So, yes, they're still in it, but whether they can maintain it again, obviously remains to be seen over the next couple of games. Yeah, I I, I just think, what I'm now thinking to prepare for is that 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 defeat for Hamilton is a, a real fill-up for Hearts um, and it could potentially be enough. But we've seen results go all over the shop in this division and well, let's not count anything out yet. Well, I think that's probably fair to say. I'm still saying there's two ahead, but I'm not going to count anything out. And the reason for that is because teams keep taking points off of each other, Campbell. Um, and Kilmarnock, let's talk about them. 4-0 win against Dundee United. Uh, double from Claire Doherty. Lisa Swanson scored the goal, which she tweeted out. So we've had highlights from every game this week. Maybe not in full, but we have something from all of them, which is great to see. Um, and an own goal. A uh, big one for uh, Kilmarnock, Campbell, in that respect. I know Dundee United were going down a little bit of shorter bodies, and I know they're waiting for a couple of things in terms of signings. But 4-0 win for Kilmarnock. Um, fair play to them. Uh, I think that's a really good result. Yeah, it's a fantastic result for Kilmarnock. Obviously, they've been one of the teams that have 
kind of been up and down uh, throughout the season. But it's a fantastic win for them, as you say, United went down, I think, with just 13 players at the weekend and miss, were missing a fair few of their uh, main players, of course, for that game. But Kilmarnock were very, very decent looking at that, um, reading their match board as well. And also seeing, as you're saying, Lisa Swanson's goal. Rebecca Galt was getting a lot of praise for a good performance. She put in the assist. Well, Lisa Swanson's goal was fantastic, but it's a, it's a great result for Kilmarnock. And again, now suddenly they're way up the table with United dropping down to six. So it's it's still very tight, but it's a good win for a Kilmarnock side that haven't really been in great form um, in the last few weeks. So they'll be they'll be pleased with that, and hopefully they can then kick on and have an, uh, an impressive end of the season as well. I mean, you say they've not been in great form in the last few weeks. That's in five unbeaten now, Campbell. So maybe maybe perception is is playing a little bit in in our heads with this one, but. Yeah, absolutely fantastic result for them. Um, I know that there's a, a lot of praise going around for the setup then at Rugby Park, getting to play at Rugby Park, and they do put, obviously, they have the full catering on. You can get a Kilmarnock pie, you know, a Kelly pie. If you obviously want to read about that, then I've got another website completely different to women's football that talks about that. But, um, yeah, I mean, my, my only criticism of when I go down to Rugby Park to watch women's football is you're putting one of the, the end stands, I think some off it you get put in, which isn't ideal. Um, but, at the end of the day, it's, it's a good experience for fans. Um, speaking of breaking streaks, St. Johnson, first one in seven, they defeated Glasgow girls 1-0 um, at Canoe, not at McDonald's Park. The, the fixture changed. Another bit of breaking news that happened after we recorded the podcast last week. So uh, what I'm expecting to happen this week, Campbell, is as soon as we stop talking, I go and make my dinner and come back and sit down. Two other, three other things will have happened that I'll need to go and retro uh, talk about. But uh, 1-0 win, uh, Nicole Carter getting her first league goal of the season. Um, I, I don't know about you, Campbell, but I'm quite pleased that St. Johnson have finally managed to get this win underneath their belts. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've quite enjoyed that. So watching St. Johnson, when I've seen them this season, as much as they've, they haven't been picking up the points as much as, as often sorry, as they probably should have done, they've been an enjoyable team to watch. It was good to see them not only win the game, also keep a clean sheet um, on Sunday. First goal of the season as well. It was very well taken by Nicole Carter. So it's just always good to see teams picking up these points. They're obviously they're at the stage where they're not really going anywhere. They're down the bottom end of the table, but it's it's a good win for them. And it's always good to see teams being moved to these other grounds and we're going to canoe for um, accommodating to Johnston on Sunday because, as we know, it's uh, the Astro at McDermott Park's, again, not the greatest place to watch a, a game of football. I'm going to throw a curveball question at you just now, Campbell, because we've kind of talked about it a little bit here and I'm keen to get your opinion. If you had the choice, if you were running a, a, a women's football team and you had the choice between playing at a well well facilitated um, Astral Park, kind of not very much there for fans or for, in terms of things like cover or catering or, or things like that, maybe there's gold all over the shop, or the opportunity to play at a, a, maybe like a junior ground, like a canoe, although canoe's a bit sparse, but maybe something along those lines, what would you pick? I'm curious because I don't think it's the right answer to this question, but I'm curious to see what your what your instinct would be. I mean, I quite I, obviously we're both fans of the junior game as well. Yourself at Paul and Mary Hill, so we know that the junior grounds are always getting good accommodation for it. I think I'd rather them over the likes of McDermott Park and obviously the disc. My first trip there on Sunday this season, but it, it, they're, they're not really the greatest places to watch games. Um, it's obviously different at places like Peters Hill and Ainsley Park where they're actual stadiums. But it has to be a junior one for me as well. Obviously, it's these teams as well. You saw the uh, Pennycook when Hibs played there. Get a good crowd in. It wasn't a great night, but it's a good number there. And obviously, I'm not sure they're crowding uh, Canoe on Sunday, but it's, it's different for the players as well. I mean, obviously, likes Kelly and Hamilton play in the men's side 
in this real stadium uh, with the plastic pitch. We also spoke before we come on air here as well about the likes of Dundee United who have played games, Hearts as well, who've played games uh, at the men's stadium before. But I think, yeah, I, I would quite like to see more games played at junior grounds. It's just it's a different atmosphere and it's different for the players as well. Yeah, I think it... Uh, my, my sense is the same. I think it, it just feels a bit more proper and uh, that's a terrible word for it. But <laughs> I think... But my takeaway is when I went down to Kirill and when you go to, even when you go to Ainsley Park and Peter's Hill Park is, you feel like you're going to the football. When you go to the disc and you go to McDermott Park, especially when you've got the actual McDermott Park, but by standing behind you as you're getting pelted in the wind and rain, um, I think it just seems to feel like you're going to a bit of a training game or it, it just maybe lacks a little something. Um, I, I, I'm not saying that obviously if the facilities are there, facilities are obviously key in terms of making sure that the game gets on and that's that's really important. We, we live in Scotland. Uh, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, I nearly got soaked uh, walking home uh, this evening. So I think it's something to keep a wee eye on, but I'd be interested to hear what other people think about it. So if you're listening to this and you have an opinion, please fire away. I, I'm keen to hear from people that go to the games and obviously if there's any players which I know do listen to it, have a, have a take on it, by all means, jump in. But um, there was... Meant to be a fourth game this weekend, Campbell. Uh, Hearts against Hutchison Vale. Uh, Orion, which is a nice enough setup. Speaking of things like that, cover, nice park. Um, Catering's a bit far away from Alleyken, but it's still there. Um, but there wasn't. And Campbell, Hutchison Vale have, for the second time this season, not been able to provide players to fulfil a fixture. I have an opinion on it, which you can obviously read about leading the line, but I will talk about it in a second. What's your take on the current situation at the bottom of SWPL2? I mean, we know obviously it's been tough for them since they sort of lost that link with Embrigini um, at the start of the season. They've tried to make changes with obviously the new managerial coaching staff appointments um, after the break, but it doesn't really look great for the game at all when... You've got about two hours to kick off on the Sunday before anyone finds out that there is no game. I mean, obviously, that's fair enough. They're both in Edinburgh, but sometimes you're further away. It's a bit different. It's, it just doesn't look great. It was obviously the same in the Scottish Cup when you had a couple of teams forfeiting games there due to not having players and things like that. So, obviously, they can't go down. It's with the league restructuring. Obviously, we'll get to that as well. But it just sort of makes a bit of a mockery of the game. And I think, actually, you either need to sort it or have to be sorted by SWF. So something needs to happen. It's, it's not fair. Obviously, we don't really know the full reasoning behind the um, uh, behind the decision sorry, for them not to play. But if you can't fulfil your players, then uh, fulfil the fixture, so they should not get enough players. Then obviously something has to be done. Whether they need to look into getting the link with the university back up again, or whether they just need to look at a different um, a different alternative, then that remains to be seen. But it's certainly not great for the sort of the advertising the women's game at all. Yeah, I mean, not not to peel back the curtain too much because I don't want to um, annoy anybody, but I think there's definitely been opportunity for Hutchison Vale to get themselves out of this and they've decided not to. And uh, looking on onwards as a, as a fan, and that's that's how I looked at it on Sunday as I was was planning to go to Orion to, to watch the second half of that Hutchison Vale game after, after covering the game at Ainsley Park. I, I just, it feels to me like they know they can't get relegated. So... They are obviously getting round, soundly beaten. That played 14 games because he's over 140 goals. Um, it just feels to me like they're taking advantage of that situation. Now, 
what I should stress is there will be people involved in touches in Dale, whether that be players or people involved in the club, that will have been as annoyed by the situation on Sunday as I'm sure Hearts would have been. I mean, it's not particularly fair on Hearts either. They they had a game to play. That game now needs to be played somewhere else, maybe, whatever happens with, with Hutchinson Vale. But I think once isn't great, twice I'm just... I, it doesn't sit right with me as a football fan, especially when you think about some of the, the work that clubs are trying to do to promote the game. Uh, especially at SWPL level and the, the restructure announcements that we're, talk, we're going to talk about in, in a wee minute. Um, I think the other thing as well, Campbell, we are, we are sitting here speculating on, on audio just now about what the situation is. Um, and that's because nobody from Hutchison Vale talks. So there, there hasn't been any activity on it. You mentioned obviously they brought in a new management team. They seemed really positive. Feels like maybe they've been sold a sold a bit of a pup in this respect, but hopefully it gets sorted. Um, what I would say is that anybody who's wanting to play football for Hutchinson Vale, and there's obviously players that will be doing that and want to play week in, week out, I hope that the situation gets resolved. But I think it needs looked at, and I think maybe this situation now needs to be taken away from the spotlight that is currently trying to be shown on the, the, the women's game uh, in Scotland. But we'll see what happens um, going forward. But yeah. Not great not to have a full fixture card. Um, and obviously, there's a potential that could happen again this weekend. Um, on the fixtures this weekend, the Hutchinson Vale are due to play Park at Thistle at 2 o'clock at Sorton Enclosure. It's Glasgow Girls, Hamilton Ackies at Peters Hill Park at 4 o'clock. So I'll be at that one as well. I'm going to do the double header at Peters Hill Park this weekend. St. Johnson take on FC Kilmarnock at McDermott Park. And Campbell, I think you're probably at the, the game of the weekend in SWPL2, Dundee United Hearts at the disc. Um, you mentioned it earlier on that Dundee United Hearts bogey team and this is maybe one that Hearts maybe go into with a little bit of trepidation, given how the, the games between the two sides have gone so far. Yeah, with, to an extent. I mean, obviously Hearts are still the favourites for it and are the side that we'd expect to win. They've obviously been fresh from not playing this weekend. United will be looking to bounce back right enough after obviously their heavy defeat. They, um, they should have the likes of Jim McLaren back again, which is always going to be crucial for them. But yeah, it'll be an interesting game to watch. I mean, obviously, as we say, United have won both games against Hearts by an Eve Guffrey goal to nil yeah, both times. The last time was obviously the game at Tyne Castle, which got a good crowd in again with the players playing the real stadium. But it'll be interesting to see how Hearts cope up at the desk because United have made it tough for certain teams up there. Obviously, they beat St. Johnson in the last home game, but Hamilton struggled up there as well. So Hearts will need to get over that sort of mental barrier going into the game against United that they've had early on in the season. So it'll be interesting to see how they get on. I still make them favourites, but United certainly can make it tough. And it'll be interesting to see what actually happens uh, come one o'clock Sunday. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Oh, you've just said one o'clock. So is it one o'clock or is it four o'clock? One o'clock as far as I'm aware. Okay, well, that's another one for us to double check with the SWPL website later on in the week because it's four o'clock <laughs> just now. <laughs> but either way, just keep an eye on it and Dundee will keep you right. Um, I've got no doubt about that. Uh, but yeah, so that, that's the fixtures in terms of next weekend. Um, I suppose the big one outside the Rangers and obviously the, the, the fixtures, the, the big news is about the, S, the SWF restructure, Campbell, that happened uh, towards the back end of last week with the announcement towards the back end of last week. It was, it was decided at the EGM on Monday the 16th. Um, with that in mind, and after the game at Orion being called off, I made my way back to the south side of Glasgow where I stay and went to the Queen's Park Muir Thistle game, um, which is at the top end of SWFL1 South, where one of those two sides will be promoted to SWPL2 as part of a raft of changes. There's probably four key four key changes to kind of outline, Campbell, and we'll go through them one by one. But let's start with the first one. 
which is that there's now going to be a, an eight-team SWPL1 and a 10-team SWPL2 with two championships levels below that called the uh, performance grade. And outside of that, it's going to be a recreational level. Um, so in the, inside the performance structure, you are expected to enter into the Scottish Cup, whereas in the recreational level, you're, you don't have to. It's not mandatory. Uh, something that we've talked about before is the, the kind of fixtures not happening, which hasn't been great in that respect. Um, and it also sees the development teams shift out of that particular league as well. So the development teams who, in the south at least, uh, are the top four sides, um, they would cease to be allowed to be competing in that. So they would have to move to the recreational part uh, of the of the organisation. Jeez, oh, that was a hard one to pull out of the back of my brain there, <laughs> of the organisation. Uh, Campbell, let's, let's talk about the restructure of the leagues first of all. There's other things to talk about. What's your take on this? Do you think this is a good move in terms of... Um, maybe splitting between the sides who want to progress up the period and those that don't. Yeah, I mean, I know there's obviously a few teams have sort of voiced their displeasure at the at the um, development side. It sort of takes away a bit, as we've said before on here as well. Obviously, look at the SWFL one south and like the top five sides are all development teams, which doesn't help. Like Queen's Park ran through Burnham Thistle, obviously. But um, yeah, I think it'll be a good move for the game, the Hutchie Vale situation. It'll be an interesting one to see what happens there, but it's good to see that they are sort of moving with the times, and it means now as well that the introduction of the playoffs again, as you point out, will be another good a good move for the game. So hopefully it'll change, and we'll see a more positive look towards the, the next couple of years of Scottish women's football, and just hopefully again you can see the likes of uh, Queens Park, even Aberdeen, who you're likely to come up at that level to challenge and make that league even more competitive, and as we know it has been this season. Yeah, I mean, I wrote a piece for Leading the Line about it pretty much as it happened. Um, so that by all means, if you want to have a wee read about that, it's available on the website. Uh, what, what do you think is going to happen, though, to the players that would go into these development sites? Because obviously teams like Glasgow City, Rangers, Celtic, um, even Hamilton, Kamarnock, they, they all have under-23 sides and they have obviously players in those squads. What, what do you think is going to be the best solution for them in terms of their development? Do you think they'll stay in-house now and not, maybe not get out? Or do you see them maybe moving out and loan? What? What's your gut on it? And obviously we'll see how it evolves as, as the season progresses next year. I would like to see them move on to some of these teams. You get, obviously, look at the Hibs development team and City development team. See, players like that are then playing for the likes of Hutchie Vale, um, even further up, sorry, the likes of Sterling Uni and Forth. It's just going to improve the quality of these leagues as a whole, you would imagine, and make them again a bit more competitive, giving teams a bit more to play for while getting these girls playing at a higher level rather than playing in development sides where they're getting into most games and beating teams comfortably. So hopefully the um, the future at a higher level, even if it has to then be the championship, as they will now be, rather than focusing on development sides, I think it, it could be good for growing these other clubs and just hopefully gives teams a bit more competition. Yeah, I mean, I think naturally the players are going to disperse somewhere. Uh, I think it's just going to be interesting to see where it is. Obviously, the other option is the National Performance League, as it is, will stay in situ, so at the moment there's an under-17 and under-19 level to that. I suppose the problem you've got is once you hit 19, you or once you hit the year of 19, uh, I know it's age groups are a bit funny like that, um, you, you won't be able to play in that level, so maybe they'll need to look at a, a level above that, like under-20 maybe, or it'll be interesting to see. I mean, what I would say is the National Performance League games I've been to, the quality's been pretty decent, um, so I think the top end of that is certainly somewhere that some of the players will go to as well, but yeah, I think it'd be good to see some of the talent disperse. Um, Gamble, you mentioned it. Uh, one of the other options, uh, one of the other options, one of the other changes is the introduction of playoffs. So this is pretty similar to, to what goes on in uh, the men's side at the moment. So 
Uh, the bottom place team from SWPL1 will automatically be relegated. Champions SWPL2 will automatically go up. Seventh will then play second in a one-off game playoff. Um, then at the bottom of SWPL2, the bottom two sides will be relegated and the top side from the new Championship North and Championship South will be promoted. The two runners-up of those divisions, I hope you're keeping up with me so far, will play each other and then the winner of that game will play in a playoff against the seventh, no, against the eighth-place team who are now the third bottom team in SWPL2. Um, Campbell, I think this is a, a pretty good uh, pretty good announcement. I spoke to a few people about it this week, um, from Dundee United, from Hibernian, up at Celtic as well. And I think the, the reaction to the playoff certainly is pretty much positive. I, I'm assuming you agree with that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, again, obviously it's given teams something to aim for at the end of the season. Obviously, you look at the bottom of these leagues, how to your way out of it. But St Johnston are sort of falling down a bit as well. They've got a win there, and it gives them that sort of that aim. We need to go and win games now to avoid playoffs, and it's just going to make it more intriguing. Even uh, at the bottom of the Premiership, uh, PL1, sorry, we uh, obviously Fordford and Stirling look to be the sides that are going to be going, uh, and they're going to be the two sides at the bottom end of the table. But it then gives Alexis Spartans, Rangers, Motherwell that incentive again to perform higher to avoid getting caught up in a playoff place. It's certainly good that it means that team seasons aren't sort of just ending. Halfway through, as a lot of them have done at the minute, we, uh, one team's definitely going to win the league, one's definitely going down. So it certainly keeps it open, and it'll be good to see again and hopefully just improve sort of the quality um, of the games. Yeah, I mean, I suppose one of the things we're not quite entirely sure about at the moment is how the playoff games will work. So they're going to be one-offs. In my head, Campbell, I would quite like it to be a kind of a banner day. I mean, the SWF, we do, do this already. Um, in terms of the Scottish Cup semi-finals get played on the same day, which is obviously just coming up in a couple of weeks' time. The SWPL Cup semi-finals are played on the same day at Broadwood earlier in the season. So the idea of making it almost like a playoff day, very similar to maybe what you get um, with, with rugby and the, the kind of the graded finals, and we're going to talk about that as well very quickly. Um, it'd be good to see. what uh, Have you got any kind of ideal scenario for the playoffs? Obviously, with these being one-off games, I'm assuming they'd be in neutral venues, but maybe that's not going to be the case. Have you got... Any inkling yourself knowing that if you were given the blank slate of saying what happened to these games, what would you do? I think a neutral venue certainly has to be the way of it. I mean, you look at the playoffs in the men's game and they always wouldn't be very much favourable for the for the higher upside. And I don't always think that's the way it should be. I mean, a neutral venue in a one-off game probably the best way to play it. And it, it just gives teams a chance as well. And as you're saying, a sort of like a banner day, if you want to call it that. Again, it just gets more people's attention. And it's getting more people to go and watch the women's game. And it's, I think a neutral venue would be the best way to do it. And again, if you get two or three games on uh, and finals in the one day, then again, it's just going to um, increase people's interest in the women's game. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's obviously part of the reason for these changes. Um, the, the other big changes to the SWPL Cup, I think, Campbell, it's probably fair to say that the SWPL Cup probably needed a wee look at. It was very much a case of SWPL one side would be drawing against the SWPL two side. The SWPL1 side would win, and then it'd just be like an SWPL1 Cup for the quarterfinals, semis, and finals. Um, they're changing that. They're going to make it into a group stage structure. Bit bet Freddy, um, which I'm, I'm okay with, I think. I think it was going to work a lot better in a women's football context than a men's one, put it that way. Um, so what will happen is the top two sides in the league from the previous season, so first and second, they will receive an automatic buy into the quarterfinals. And then the remaining 16 teams in the top two leagues, they will go into four groups of four, 
uh, with two from each division, which I'm not quite sure how that works because it's a six and eight split, but I'm going to let the SWF figure out that one. <laughs> um, but uh, it's going to be an equal split of sides from SWPL one and two. Uh, they'll play each other once, so it'll be a three-game group stage, and then the top 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 sides will go into the SWPL Cup. And those sides that just miss out, we're going to a plate competition underneath that. So I think the way it works is there's only two sides that basically wouldn't have anything to play for going forward, where, no matter where they finish in the, in the group phases. Um, I think this is probably a pretty good uh, innovation, Campbell. And I said, I think it probably works better in the women's football context than it does in the men's game because I think the men's competition is a bit jaded, whereas I think winning trophies, because of the dominance of teams like Glasgow City and Hibs over the recent seasons, I think winning trophies still hold a lot of value. And I think the SWPL Cup will probably still remain the elite. But this plate competition certainly gives something some other, uh, other sides to aim for as well. Yeah, again, it's just a sort of similar thing we're talking about with teams at the bottom or the mid-table where they've no like, anything to play for. And the play, again, just, give, just gives that extra incentive for players to go into a game and think, right, there is still something to play for here. So it just, just makes it all that more interesting, not only for those watching, but also for the teams and gives them something to be involved in. So I think it's, it's all certainly a positive move so far and hopefully they prove to be like that um, when they come into play next season. Yeah, I, I think so. And obviously, the more information uh, that we get about it, we'll share it as quickly as I can. I'll fire it up on the Leading the Line Twitter page. Make sure you're following it if you listen to this. Um, there's lots of stuff going up there. Yeah, so the last thing to talk about, Campbell, is it's uh, UEFA Women's Champions League week. Uh, Hibs are playing Slavia Prague on Wednesday night. Uh, they are chasing a 4-1 deficit after the defeat at Easter Road. And on Thursday night, Thursday night, Glasgow host Chetanovo of Russia, 1-0 up from the first leg after Harry Lauder's Pretty spectacular early strike in Moscow. Um, I'll be at uh, Glasgow City, Petersell Park. Will you be at Glasgow City, Chetanovo as well, Campbell? Yeah, I will be, as will Stuart Mitchell, I believe, as well. So we'll all be back again as we were at Easter Road um, at Petersell for City as they aim to get in the last 16 of the yeah. Champions League for the second season. And um, so that means there'll probably be a wee bonus pod coming on, on Thursday night. Uh, do you think that City are going to do it? We'll start with City first of all. Um, they're 1-0 up against Sheffield. Over a good result away in Russia. Um, I think it'd be easy to get complacent about the fact that they got a win in Russia and that's kind of the job done. That's certainly not the case. Chernobyl had a couple of chances in that game, um, but Glasgow City as well had, had their chances. It'll be another tough game, but do you think City will get the job done? I hope so. Um, they've got that away goes, they got that lead. They were a bit complacent when they played the Smisho Barcelona course last season. They might end up being a bit lucky to get through there. But yeah, I mean, speaking to uh, Craig Edwards, the city media person who'd been across in Moscow, he compared them Chetnov almost to a sort of Spartans level. So I mean Glasgow City, you would fancy will have enough to get past them on Thursday night and hopefully as we say they can make it through yet again, but I would fancy that they will do. Yeah, I think I think they've got to be confident and then you know, if they get through it, they're almost guaranteed. Uh, the way the seasons are working, they're almost pretty much guaranteed the glamour tie unless they draw Bronby, which would be a different challenge, obviously. But yeah, they're almost set up if they get through to, to face one of the big sides in Europe. Um, Hibs, slightly different challenge for them. I, I was asking Grant Scott about it when I was at uh, Ainsley Park on Sunday. I think it was the realistic, um, realisticness is that Slavia Prague are really good side especially midfield um, and I think that Hibs are going there to make sure they give a good dig out themselves but they're confident that they could get a goal and I think they showed that in the home leg but I think it's about going over there and put, making a good account of themselves Campbell in, in Prague on Wednesday Yeah I mean obviously we're at the game the other week there and as we said at the time 4-1 was a wee bit harsh on them but Slavia Prague is a very good side as well 
should well get the job done, you'd imagine. But Hibs are good, obviously. Uh, they know they've got, there's no real fear for them. There's nothing to be nervous about. Just go and play their game. And if they can get a goal, great for them. And obviously, focusing on second place in the league is now going to be the new. But they can go across to Prague and enjoy themselves. Yeah, and I'd keep a wee eye out on the Hibs social media channels tomorrow. Uh, well, on Wednesday night. Tomorrow night is Tuesday. Time, Timelines and podcasts aren't friends, put it that way. But on Wednesday night, because um, yeah, they'll probably be putting out some pretty good stuff again for that. But yeah, um, best of luck to both sides. Obviously, uh, be up at Peter's Hill Park, so if you see us, say all right. Um, we're looking forward to a good game then. And best of luck to Hibs as well in Prague. But that wraps it up. So I think all I need to say at this time is thank you very much for listening. Obviously, Go and uh, follow uh, Leading the Line on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast, bash it a five-star review. And obviously go on the website. We've got some more content going up this week. Uh, travels around women's football. And obviously their usual stuff like three takeaways and previews will all be going up as well. Um, thank you very much to Mr. Campbell Finlayson. Thank you very much for coming on, Campbell. Thanks again, Chris. You're always so, so, so delighted to be uh, here. Um, you can also get Campbell at Campbell6 <laughs> underscore two. Um, and you can get me at MFP Tasty outside the Leading the Line uh, Twitter feed. But for now, thank you very much for listening. And we'll speak to you again soon, probably after Glasgow City qualifying Thursday night. Cheers. <laughs>